This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Interviews. Welcome to News Laundry Interviews. We have today in our studio Sunetra Chaudhary. She's a well-known face on television. A senior anchor. Are you senior anchor yet? How does it work? How yeah. does a senior anchor? I don't know. It doesn't make a difference, but yes, senior I am. anchor at NTV, and you've been covering the CBI beat for a long time. Yeah, but CBI has been like one of those things which I inevitably do because I've been doing it since like 2004. But I also cover other things like politics. Yes, and we see that. And she has just come out with her book Behind Bars, uh, published by Rolly. So uh, this is a book about. I'll just tell our viewers yeah. what it's about, and then we can come to Sunetra. And I have a few psychoanalysis type questions about this book. Okay. Uh, not psychoanalyzing you, <laughs> although we'll do that as well. Okay. Um, it's basically um, each chapter is the story of some high-profile cases, some not so high-profile, like Kushi, which I wasn't aware of that case till I read it here. Uh, of people who've been in prison, everyone from A Raja to Amar Singh to Peter Mukherjee, who you interacted with on mail, you, I, what I got was you didn't actually meet him face to face. No, it was all on mail. Yeah. And to basically, it's a look at life in prison. Although the blurb here by Arun Jaitmalani says it's, you know, on criminal justice. I'm not sure whether the justice part, you know, because that the court part is not really looked at, but just what it's like to be in jail and how it changes people. Amar Singh's being very fascinating, and some being uh, ghastly. Uh, so we'll come to that. So there is A Raja, Amar Singh, Papu Yadav, Peter Mukherjee, uh, and Somnath Bharti. Somnath Bharti, yes, I read the Somnath Bharti. Although he had pretty decent time in jail, he yeah. shouldn't complain. Well, it was much. very short. It was very short. No, but there are others who had a short time, like you know, the Kushi. Uh, Kushi's was one Kushi's night. was very short, yeah. and that was like. Her, uh, and in the Khushi chapter, there's reference to one more. Yes, there is. Yeah. Transgender person yes. who was. So, okay. So first of all, um, you like the book? I like the book actually. I did because um, it gives you. It's very disturbing because you know this exists. But what I find disturbing is that it's out there. There's a book which tells you what the police does to you inside jail. And it's spoken about as if that's standard, but yet nothing happens to cops. Does that disturb you as journalists? Does it make you question why do I do what I do since nothing well, matters? Totally. You know, the whole book actually came out as a, as I say in the introduction, it was actually just like a story. You know, uh, and it started out being like a orange is the new black kind of thing. This woman. Uh, this uh, model, this uh, who obviously turns a lot of heads because she's blonde and she's six feet. She goes to jail and she becomes this uh, person who wears designer clothes in jail. Like, mm. and you know the jail story, Abhinandan, is something that I think journalists, and this I've seen since I've been in Express. Mm. So that's like seventeen. 18 years of reporting. Mm. Every time somebody goes to jail, high profile, people want to know, okay, what's he eating? What's he doing? What's mm. he... so that that part of the reporting I've done lots. So you would think that you know we know what happens there, and I've been to cover jails, been inside Tihar and other jails a few times because of these reporting assignments. So when she came out and she called me and all of that, and you know it was I think 
I thought that she wants to give some information. And you know, her lawyers had sent me some tape recordings of her having a fight with another woman in jail. So I thought I was going to get a news story. So, but you know, what happens with reporters and a lot of people is that people connect and that happens on any story. You go and you know, you're reporting on something else and then you connect as women. Like, you know, mm. so she met me and she was like, oh, it's so nice to meet a normal person. You know, I've just come from the spa, she told me. So I was like, really, yeah. So she goes, and then she started describing Tihar Jail as an ashram. And then she started telling me things that she did this. So we went completely away from some CBI story, which she wanted me to pursue, to me just asking her as a, as a curious person, right? That's why we become storytellers, we become journalists, because we want to know what's happening inside. And so it kind of went from that to something that I had no idea about. But, so the Is idea... Is that how this uh, yeah. idea of the book was born? Yeah. That what it's like in jail? Yeah, and then so you... first I did a TV interview with her. Because she told me all of this and, and I said, well, we must do an interview. So we did an interview. But I realized when she came on TV, even though it was a fascinating, people found it very fascinating. And, you know, some people uh, also criticized me because they said that you're, she's a criminal. And why have you put her on TV? The TV interview was about life inside jail. But I realized as soon as she came on TV, she held back. She didn't talk about a lot of things. So there was no question of, and on TV, you can't, how do you describe the, the strangeness of somebody wearing Louis Vuitton and Tihar? But why did she want to wear Louis Vuitton and Tihar? Because she pointed out the jail manual which says, which allows people to, if you're an under trial, you can maintain yourself however you want. Because you're not convicted yet. Mm. But you see, it's only the privileged, it's only those who have the means to, who can throw these rules at people. Right. And also, even you can step outside the rules if you're privileged. Uh, for example, for our viewers, uh, there's one chapter about Subrat Rai. If you read how Subrat Rai lives in Tihar, you'll wonder at your... Actually, there's not a chapter about him. There are just stories about him from other people. Right. He refused to be part yeah, of the book. This is the introduction. Yeah. He's, yeah, there's no chapter on him, but excerpts of how he lives in jail or uh, you know for that matter uh, you know the way uh, you see where someone like uh, Papu Yadav you know yeah. how he got on in jail as opposed to um, the boy Obar. who was tortured um, and the boy who was tortured yeah yeah Wahid Wahid, uh, Wahid and his brothers and his brother-in-law the, the whole family this was uh, the Bombay blasts Finally, they were acquitted. He was acquitted. He was acquitted. Yeah. Uh, but uh, tw ten people were yeah. convicted. Yeah. Now, does someone like him, who is a teacher uh, in a, in a small school, after having all sorts of oil stuffed up your ass as part of torture, I mean, it's, it's disgusting, and I'm not going to hold back because I don't think we need to prettify it. The kind of things that are done to these guys in jail. What is his redressal? How does he get his? How does he get back at the guys who did it? Is there any redressal for someone? Well, he is like obsessed him? with it now. He is obsessed, so he's formed something called the Innocence Network, hmm. and which is just going around town. They spend their own money to come here. They came to Delhi, for which I interviewed all of them again. He gets all of those people who were wrongly jailed, who also accuse, uh, include the Makkah Masjid Blast people. They go around, and all they want is some kind of apology, some kind of uh, compensation from but the they state. They don't want those guys jailed who did this to them in those cops. They don't want those cops 
to be imprisoned? I, well, part of it, I, I think that's, that's a whole list of things that they want. He also believes, strongly believes. And you know, the thing is, for a reporter, you can, you, you get everybody's version. It's not for me to judge. But he believes that everybody who's on death row right now, he got acquitted. And he says that the only reason he got acquitted is that despite all that torture, he refused to sign yeah. the confession and statement. And the rest of them signed. The rest of them did. And so they're on death row right now. So his main mission in life is to raise enough doubts for them to okay. be taken up. The, I'll just ask you that question that I asked you in the beginning. When you, um, like I'll read this book, I'll probably, it'll become a hazy memory in a week or so. But for someone who covers the police beat every day, and you come across stories like this every day. I'm asking you again, can you still maintain a semblance of a faith that there is justice in this country? Because if you read this book, anyone who thinks there is justice and the justice takes its course and all its, I mean, sorry, I, I, I'm very cynical that way. But like I said, I read the book. I'll read another, I'll read another. But you'll do these stories for as long as you're a reporter. Why do you think there's hope? Because we sometimes come across the stories of hope. Because despite 13 years, Wahid came out. The others maybe didn't. Because... He came out, but he was bashed up in jail. He had stuff inserted into him. He had, you know, uh, he was stripped and tortured. And there were threats to his family that we'll do this to your dad. The others, we'll do this to your sister. We'll do this to your mother. Let's not forget Khushi, who was raped. We'll come to that as well, in fact. I want to come to that. Because there, there is nothing against the cops. There's no FIR. And lie detector test for a rape victim. Can yeah. you imagine? Yeah, we'll come to that. But so that one story of justice out of a gazillion is enough to keep you, I keep don't your know. faith. I think that we have the luxury of having Cynicism. the faith or anything. Okay. I think that a lot of us who stick around, Abhinandan, in doing this job, and I know I can't do anything else. I'm a compulsive storyteller. Hmm that we will just continue to, what it has done, especially this, because it allowed me to say it in much more detail, is definitely how it's changed me is that I am, and remember, I cover these agencies. Hmm. A lot of these people are people who, are people who I think are decent I was people. about to come to that. A lot of these officers I respect. That is their strategy, but what can we do is just to tell their stories and hopefully what it has done, how it's changed me is, I really promise myself that I will for sure, for sure, for sure question the authorities a lot more. So uh, while you say that what this teaches you is you must question the authorities, which I must say um, is not the standard in journalism these days. If you question the army, how can you question the army? If you question the courts, how can you question the courts? If you question the government, how can you question the government? When you read something like this, you realize everything must be questioned. But speaking of interacting with people who... Because um... I want to tell you one thing, which Wahid asked me while we were meeting. He said, tell me, which terrorist in the world who's planted a bomb comes every day for questioning? Yeah, he, yeah you've written that in like, your book. you're right. Every day he landed up when every they called day. him. All of them. Until they kept him and then yeah. they For weeks, for days, they kept calling them. So I posed this question mm -hmm. because my publishers also felt, uh, whereas unlike a he said, she said account of a news report, the book gives you a book 
format gives you the luxury of telling somebody's story. Hmm. Now people can say you're biased. No, I'm telling that person's story. He's been acquitted, right? He's been acquitted. I'm telling his story. And yet I went back and I spoke to Mr. Ian Roy. And, he, and I asked him this, well, what do you have to say? I said, first specifics, because that's what Wahid also asked me. How can I tell you names, dates, everything in such way? How can I, my imagination be so fertile that I'm telling you this time, this date, this card, this person, he did this to me. How can I do it? So he said, so Ian Roy replied, uh, responded to that by saying that they're trained to do this. They know that their charges will be much more uh, you know, uh, much more uh, credible if they give such details. When I said the other thing, he said, no, everybody wasn't called for questioning every day. But the fact that some were... Right. Yes. But I, I, like you said, you know, a lot of these, because of the beat that you cover, you have to deal with a lot of these officers on a daily basis. Uh, not daily, but frequently, and you respect a lot of them. You, you know, find them credible in professionally. Um, do you find at all, uh, this is a slightly long question, so just bear with me. The, the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, we see what you do, you get desensitized, right? There is an emotional cost to pay for your professional work as well. For example, doctors, I have doctors in my family. They have, you know, they don't re react to illnesses the way the rest of do. Oh, so-and-so is unwell. Even if it's in the family, they say, ha, it's not a big deal. Um, if you see meetings every day, you get desensitized and I think it warps your mind in some sense. I find it hard to believe and I'm not being judgmental here, I think it's hard to be a cop. But a, a military man can justify his actions saying that in case the excess is that I'm doing it for the country, you know. Psychologically we all want to justify our worst actions so that we don't think of ourselves as horrible people, you know, at the end of the day you have to live with yourself. A military man can say I'm doing it for the country, you know. I'm, but like the Khushi, the Jaipur, you know, cops who rape this woman for fun, uh, a transgender, I mean, she identifies herself as a woman, or the people who do what they did to Wahid. Uh, do you see any remorse? Do you find in your interaction these, that they're emotionally a bit warped? Uh, and I'm not just saying this as an accusation. I guess it's, it's very sad. Do you think if there were many of these cops are put through a psychoanalysis test, they would be unhinged because how can you see that and be a part of shit like that every day and go home and say, okay, I'm, I'm a good person? I definitely think they're a different breed. And I definitely think that they have dehumanized their victims. But what I'm saying, what does that do to themselves? Do you find that they can justify anything? I mean, well, do, do you, when a you lot interact of the perpetrators though, the perpetrators are, aren't people that I know personally, especially in these particular cases where I know such details. So I can't say that, uh, I mean, and then I know those people who have done such things. No, I don't. Um, for instance, all of the people named by Wahid, I don't know those people. I spoke to Enroy, but I don't know those people, so I don't know what they're like. But, but yes, I mean. No, but. A, a cop is a cop in the sense that I'm not saying all cops are like that, but what I'm saying is that they have seen, yeah. been part of that kind of an arrangement at some point in their lives, yeah. if not frequently. Yeah. Do you see that impacting them anyway in your interactions? Like, I, I, to give you an example, every time I've interacted with a bureaucrat, I think a bureaucrat is trained to have GK, have public policy, and they're also trained to be really 
arrogant people. <laughs> when you walk into a Virgat's office, he won't tell you to sit. He won't even look up at you for five minutes. It's standard. Uh, I know what you mean. It is yeah. standard practice, no matter which bureaucrat you meet. So it's almost as if they're trained to make the person there feel like, dude, I'm so powerful, you're shit. So it becomes a part of their personality. Do you see any similarity in a cop's personality? Because this is how jails work. And let's, it may be Tihar, it may be Jaipur, but I don't think Ambala is different. I'm sure they're all the same yeah. in the country. Yeah. Arthur Road is, you know, how different can it be from a Tihar or from... Well, some of us. Yeah, exactly. So, Nagpur. So do you, do, you, do you sense that at all? You know, actually, the, the, I mean, try to think of all the interactions with the police officers. In fact, one of the police officers, um, you know, he gave me great insight. Uh, he's a senior IPS officer. He gave me great insight into how they think and all. I think some are most, more sensitive than others. Some, they obviously have, they've obviously been trained to... Switch off a part yeah, of their brain. Yeah. And, you know, the problem is that they treat crime reporters, which is what we are seeing. We saw it in Rafiq's case. So I was towards the end of writing this book when Rafiq's case happened. And it was exactly the same as Vahid's. Exactly the same as Vahid's. So there is a realization that the story is getting repeated over and over and over again. And yet, the head of the special cell, Delhi special cell, which perpetrated so many of these, right? So many of these. And we saw so many people getting quitted. So Rafiq's story, Vahid's story, it's going on. He's a perfectly social person. Mm. Like he'll come, he'll interact, he'll be gay. But when they think that they're dealing with someone, they need to plimb the brain. If you ask Wahid, if you ask everyone, they know exactly why this happened to them. Right. They need, the cops needed somebody to pin the blame on. So they picked on people who were marked as bad characters, so-called semi-activists. Mm. We know that, right? This is how cops work. And, and so, they, so they realize that this happened to them because the police needed easy victims and that's why it was put. What about the emotional cost of being a journalist who covers this? Do you, do you find yourself having, uh, you know, absorbed so much? Yeah, just, I mean, yeah. I read it, but I think talking to someone who has faced that and describing, let's say someone like Khushi, for example, uh, do you find that it takes its toll on you? I really think, that's why I write, I think. Hmm. That's the only reason I write, because once I've written down, I feel like I've done something constructive out of it. Okay. That's the only reason I write. I think because a lot of people who are in television, they've stopped, they don't have that outlet because I was trained to write. I was with The Express. So I started out as being a writer. The reason I became a journalist is because, you know, not for changing the world. I became a journalist because imagine getting paid for going someplace and getting paid for telling that story. So my whole thing was telling that story. So for me, it's cathartic. As you were saying this, I remember that it was only my first or second rape case, which I covered as a reporter in Express, which traumatized me. And I think that that is the one which I've pushed back into my head, which, you know, it was a woman who was uh, raped in a home and she kept she, she kept crying when I went to meet her. And she was a, she was a fairly articulate uh, middle-class woman. And I remember that they were a little scared that the media had, you know, knew where they stayed. 
and I remember going to meet her at home. And I think because I've pushed her so back into the recesses of my memory, I think she called me one day because I'd left my number saying that she needed and she was crying on the phone. And that gave me such nightmares. I just kept having nightmares that I have in a way, even though it was a newspaper, there were no photographs, there was no camera, it was nothing, there was no identification or anything like that. But the fact that I had just done a story and left her and not been part of a kind of, some kind of a, you know, therapeutic process, because we don't have that for rape victims, uh, had haunted me for a long time. Yeah, I think that's one of the things of journalists, you do a story and then you move on and I guess at the back of your head it is, am I supposed to see this to the end? I think that's a dilemma all journalists face. Um, but I think that what a lot of us have used, tell ourselves to get over it is that by telling their story, that we are part of a process. I know that Kushi is very happy that she's part of this. I know that they wanted to be identified. I know that she thinks that it highlights a case which everybody else has forgotten. Okay. So. Uh, also for our viewers who uh, may not read the book, there seems to be at least what I got was, Kobad Gandhi is a very interesting character. Uh, uh, I, I think it's, uh, there's a certain normalness and calmness to his story. Uh, he's 70 uh, and uh, he, he was, uh, for those of you who may remember, he was for Maoist Naxal links, he was arrested and he's out now. No, he's not out. He's still in jail. I went and met him but in jail. Hasn't he served his term? That is the tragedy of it. He, he served his term? No. He's been acquitted by both the courts. Yes. But, as usual how UAPA works in this country, as soon as he was arrested by Delhi, they made various cases. Delhi was the strongest case. So, okay, so, he's so been now acquitted he faces by, by Delhi, he's been acquitted. Then after a year, he's been acquitted by Patiala. But he faces 14 other cases. And he's 70 years old. And despite so, being from Doon School, despite having the Doon School <laughs> alumni writing and writing about him, he doesn't have money. He doesn't have fancy lawyers. Does like Anka does. So he's sitting there waiting for the justice system to work. So he's been acquitted, but he's not out of jail. He's been acquitted in two of those cases. The rest of still okay. Yeah. And, and some of those cases are of him when he was in Tehar. Okay. Uh, so, but the rest, like someone like Amar Singh or Peter Mukherjee, which, who seems surprisingly calm, but I guess maybe because on email, yeah. the... It was an email, but yeah, letters. But letters, yeah. I guess um, you can't see what yeah. toll it's taking on him, but like Amar Singh and the likes have been, basically it's shaken them because, you know, he feels Amitabh Bachchan left him when he was in jail, all his people who he considered friends distance themselves. So that is his angst. His angst is not necessarily what happened to him in jail. Like his biggest well, thing is that, that, that he was the Balti, that he, there was one mug. So the same mug I drank from, the same mug I washed my potty with, which, okay, it's not the best case scenario, but Dude, for him, I it was done like, that. I mean, like, I, I mean, I if I, I've gone for a trek where, but anyway, but for him, it's like traumatic. Yeah. So for everyone, it's a relative degree. But what I'm saying is, someone of that socio-economic bracket, yeah, finds it so difficult to overcome that trauma. Whereas if you're in the lower socio-economic bracket, you even overcome ghastly rapes and foreign bodies being inserted into you. And I mean. 
it just shows us at least showed me the self indulgence of our class that uh, that something like oh ho meri dosti toot gayi bhai trauma ho gaya lekin baki jo gareeb log hain unki to matlab maa behan ek kar dete hain unka they still learn to live with it did you find it it's a uh, reflection of the society we live in as well that our expectations from ourselves and our lives are so different from 80% of india's expectations of themselves and their lives i know what you're saying but i just approached it differently i put myself you know when you when you first of all these people i i really you know it was a huge leap of faith for them to tell these stories so i guess because i saw them at their vulnerable best i'm very empathetic to their situation i'm as empathetic to amar singh as i am i mean i cry a lot more for the others mm. and i guess my language also changes mm. you know when i you know when you're editing you reread i noticed that the most that the my language was best when i told the story of rehmana because i obviously felt for her the most sure you know and i think it's a gender identity also as someone who's a woman in that sense and to be in jail for years for just being married to the wrong man right. is so anyway so obviously that empathy worked itself much more in places where where my where i you know where they were wor- treated you know worst of all um and I, you're right that somebody not getting the right mug uh, or or but the thing is because i'm empathetic to their situation because i empathize with them i understood how for them it was as bad you know i you know no, i'm I, i'm saying this i'm just saying that it's it's relative sure, but sure i'm not saying in that in their in their for example how can you even though raja himself says that he raja himself says that he was he says you know i i, I really actually you know we all and i was the one standing outside cbi like you know repeating what cbi said about raja which is that king pain and all of that and you know i was doing all that but when i met him and he tells me the impact that jail had on his daughter you know uh the kind of things that people wrote about him and kani and the impact it had on a young martyrday student his daughter it, you know for me so so the vip aspect didn't play out in that way do you know what i mean okay um so I for me i i so obviously i i kind of got into the story that much that i felt all of the, i i felt the the pathos in all of that so i i didn't think oh look at him i didn't go to amar singh and heard the story and say well why is this so much worse no i didn't have those degrees you know i no i'm not saying you'll say it to him but i mean no i felt i didn't feel it as well i know what you mean and you're you're completely right and legitimate in feeling that but i'm saying because i had to put myself in their shoes to tell their story i saw it from a different perspective okay i mean just quickly for our viewers who are not fond of reading though if you are i think this is a it's a it's a, it's a great read because it just it opens your eyes to what police which is the the one arm of the government that we interact with most we don't interact with bureaucrats or civil servants as much as we you know interact with and the whole idea of the book i mean and it was actually that if you and i went to jail hmm. which could happen sure if you and i went to jail hmm. how would we survive right i think yeah, it's it's a good it's it's a good primer for that but uh, you know um 
I, I was just uh, wondering why Kani wasn't part of this. You asked her. Yeah. Uh, she refused to be a part of the book. Um, I mean, can you guess why? I mean, what did you get? Is she so traumatized or does she yeah, want to write a book I of her own? I think so. I think so. No, 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 no. I but, she, but she's a you know, prominent politician and a politician's relative. I, they would not definitely subject her to something that could bite them in the ass because, you know, things change. I mean, I know for a fact when uh, Amrinder Singh and Badal, you know, when they were alternating, yeah. you know, when one would come into power, they pick up the other guy's men when the other would come. So the cops know that they have to report to either depending on which five years. Yeah. No, for sure. And she was the only person who had a mattress. Hmm. We know that her mattress went to Anka. Hmm. Right? So, little, little details. Um, so, why do you think she didn't want to be part of this? She didn't want to be part of this because, one, she's a very private person. Hmm. So, for this book, to be open to being part of a book like this, you have to open up. You have to trust. Kani, anyway, I think I'm, I'm one of those people she has done an interview with before she went to jail. The day before she was arrested, she did an interview on NDTV. That was with us. From, if anybody watches that, they'll know why she did Because she's, she's a monosyllabic person. She's a very unlike a regular politician. She doesn't speak much. You know, she's, she gives one-line answers. So I would say to her, and, and we had meetings, and she was, you know, she's very nice. And I know I've also spoken to politicians, uh, a BJP MP, who's a great friend of hers, who went and visited her in jail. So what was in common with everybody else was that they remember who, you know, everybody visited them. who visited Yeah, that's one thing that even Amar Singh, he knows who came and visited him when he was in jail and who didn't visit him and who came later. And that's something that, that's something that like regular people also have. That, you know, that there's a little boy who, whose mother, obviously she couldn't afford it. She stopped coming. So he was left abandoned in jail, a life of no visitors and the kind of trauma that it causes, which is why the American Malu, his chapter, which I think is the most detailed because, because of anonymity, he's able to describe every day what happens. What is the toilet like? What is this? What is this? And it's like, that's the one which blew my mind because that's what happened. And him getting a chance to run away if you... Uh, I know. You know it's, it's interesting how if you have enough money, the cops will give you the one chance to run yeah. away. And even every kathi roll you get, you have to pay for. Anyway, um, okay, uh, so uh, it's an interesting book. Congratulations, Sunetra, on this. I have a few more questions, of though. Course. Um, do you also see any justice coming, for example, you know, the Khushi's case? The guys who uh, raped her were not some IPS officers. They were, you know, just sub-inspector guys who were at a crossing, who stopped an auto, decided to get into a fight. and. Is there such a code of brotherhood in cops that you'll be protected no matter what? And the few guys, like the guy who shot the businesses in Connaught Place, who's in jail. Yeah. Uh, is the only way a cop can get convicted is because someone wants to get you convicted or because you are a small pawn in the game who can be sacrificed? Otherwise, no matter where you are in the cop hierarchy, some justice can't get to you. That's true. Look at what happened to Rati, who was accused of molestation, right? No, I think that Khushi will get justice if the media decides to really, you know, I think that's where, you know, everyone, everyone criticizes the media and the media is supposed to be discredited and all of that. And everyone loves saying bad things about us on social media. But we are the only ones 
who, if we decide, can do amazing, amazing, amazing things. Um, that's why once I wrote a piece about the audacity of TV. As a, as a reporter on the crime beat or on the legal, somebody who's covered legal, things which were impossible have happened. Like the Manu Sharma case being right. reopened and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know how to, because the media is so polarized, like Peter Mukherjee pretty much blames Arunab for putting him in jail. No, I'm just of... saying that if the media wants to make something a campaign, mm. they can do things. They can, you know, make sure, get at people and make sure things happen because things happen even when, I mean, really, you're I'm right. not so sure anymore. I, I think there was a time, maybe a few years ago, I, I don't think. You mean Manu Sharma's was the last one? That was the last, even after that till, you know, the whole, I mean, but it was, a, it was a big one. To a certain extent, you know, ARP is even a, Even even the Girotra case, even the molestation. Yes. Uh, that was also a reinvestigation. I mean, also In the end, he didn't go to jail because he was old. Fair enough. But, okay, these are two cases, but one case where it wasn't a campaign where there was a fallout because of the media scrutiny, but not necessarily positive fallout is the Arushi Talwar case. Uh, you know, we don't know which way. I mean, I've seen uh, footage of you know, camera people before they were convicted going to their home and when they want to get in, they're being pushed around and stuff. I mean, it's, it's okay, that's campaigning happening outside for MCD elections, so that audio will keep coming. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not sure media can necessarily always play a positive role, especially with the media as polarized as it is right now. But that's a separate story. Um, um, I have a few more questions about the media, but uh, Congratulations on this book. Uh, it's Thank it's you. Uh, must require a lot of hard work, and of course you must have really thought far ahead because of the amount of people you've got in touch with and, and spoken mm. to. Uh, all the interactions with Peter Mukherjee are by letter, written letter. Yeah. Okay. So uh, now let's talk about the media. Am uh, I qualified to talk about the media? Anyone is. Dude, it's like cinema. Yeah. Everyone's a director. Hey, Arkan, you made a film. We all say that, you know. So the thing is, news. See, we can't also say that the pancreas was bad for operation in we can't say that. Or we can't say that it was bad for it because it was But on media, cinema and books and television, everyone's an expert. So we have to understand that with good reason because you know you. Um, do you think the best phase of the media is happening now or is yet to come or is over? Which way do you see news media going? Can I just first say that I know everyone thinks they're an expert but I don't think I am. I really think I'm just a reporter. No, I'm not saying you're, I'm not asking you yeah. as an expert. I'm asking you as a media professional. Yeah, sure. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very optimistic hmm. because why else? How else would I survive doing this? Okay. I I really I really and I think that my first book, uh, you know, I my, my friend everybody else, everybody all the reviews and all were very positive, but my friend didn't like it. So I said, why? He goes, because you're so gushy gushy about it. You're so in love. I love my job and all of that. I know it's a little old fashioned to say it, but. You can love your job. Okay, not, I don't think, it's not a question of loving your job. It's just like, I can't do anything else. I tell stories and I think, I mean, and then I, I don't think that people will ever tire of listening to stories hmm. or telling stories. So I focus on that. I know what you're saying, that media is very divided. But hey, there have always been problems everywhere. I mean, if you read, I was just reading uh, Personal History of Catherine Graham, right? 
which was set like from the 40s till uh, you know till uh, George Bush senior all the presidents and it's the publisher of uh, Washington Post and it's exactly the kind of criticism that we we hear nowadays about who is fraternizing more which which media boss it's always been there Okay. You know, I don't think that we, all of us reporters have to just focus on telling stories. Hmm. We can beat ourselves up that we're not telling enough stories and that's all. Okay. No, leave that to news laundry. <laughs> we'll do the beating yeah. up. <laughs> Cause, I've cause been, yeah, yeah. We, we thrive on that. Yes. <laughs> but uh, one last question. Mm -hmm. You had written a piece once about a particular politician having made an inappropriate advance or comment. Yeah. Uh, but you never did reveal his name. Yeah. Uh, any chance you'll reveal it today? <laughs> huh? No. Why um, not? Because it wasn't a, you know, what was interesting was, yeah, that I'm revealing right now on News Laundry. What was interesting was that some Congress people called up and they were like, we, we know who it is. And some of them guessed rightly as well. Mm. And they're like, you should register a complaint and da da da, -da we'll take action. Look, I'm not, I'm not here for people to settle scores and do all of that. There was, a, there was a specific, first of all, I just started writing a column at that time. There was a specific objective of that piece. It was to write about what women face, working women face, right? It was just that. And I talked about, it was a thing of, to tell people, the problem with sexual harassment is that many women, when they face it, they don't know that this is sexual harassment because it's a, it's a, you know, it's so intangible at times. It's so, it's not in your face and you start blaming yourself. And I wanted to show how even a so-called empowered woman who's privileged, who works for a media organization can get flummoxed when they're faced with something like this. And then how I dealt with it, you know, it was just okay, that. So is it because of that reason that, but in case, if you were in the perfect world and justice worked the way justice works in a more evolved democracy, it's, it's not perfect anywhere. But we are nowhere even in the medium range. We are in the bunghole creek of justice in the world. I mean, I believe so. I think a lot of other people may have other views depending on who they can afford to represent them. Um, would you take the name if we lived in a world where there would be a process of, of uh, you know, judicial processes would, you know, bring it to some sort of sensible outcome rather than just politicians going at each other okay, let's use this as a lever to no it's got nothing to do with no because it wasn't because it had happened to me a hundred times before it happens to women every day it's because of social media that this got it happens to working women every single day someone saying something inappropriate people it's not politician who just says it People, people say it. I've been in a newsroom, in a you know, I, I used to work in a Hindi newsroom where this colleague of mine left a porn magazine on his desk, and no one said anything. Maybe he was doing a story on porn. No, it's he possible. Was <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, hmm. whatever. But I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, you. I'm just that. saying that this is a part of our lives. Why should I call out someone? who Just is the hundredth person who's done it. Okay. I'm saying it happens with, with anybody you meet. You know, they say inappropriate things. I was in, I was in, I, I go to parliament and someone will say something like, oh, you know, what is the color in your cheeks? He'll talk about my makeup. 
you know, people on social media will talk about the way I look. It's fine. You know, the, we, we can't take ourselves. If I felt violated, Abhinandan, if I felt like I need to do this because it was an outrage, it was, I had been wrong, I would complain. But it didn't bother me that much. It happened. It was an everyday act of sexual harassment. Yes. And, but the thing is, what people forget, I want to tell all those people who keep telling me, why didn't you report it? Why didn't you report it? Hello. Part of being in women's empowerment is I choose. It's my choice. You can't tell me, you can't mansplain to me about why I should go and report to whom or whatever. It's my choice. It's my thing. And I chose, and then they'll say to me, why didn't NDTV do anything? Because I didn't go to NDTV, you know? Okay. It was just something to write about. It's just a column. All right. Just a column. And just a book behind bars. No, this is not just a book. <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah. Okay, not just a book. Let's plug your book once again, behind bars. I liked it. I think um, if you're in a very good mood, just read this to bring you back down to earth. And just hope you... Not that depressing, is it? Dude, you know... If you're poor, you're fucked in this country, let's face it, there is... That's what the blurb says as well. Not a, does it? It says... If you, ha if you steal 1,000 rupees, the Havaldar will beat the shit out of you and lock you up in a dungeon with no bulb or ventilation. If you steal 55,000 crore, then you get to stay in a 40-foot cell which has four split units, internets, fax, mobile phones and a staff of 10 to clean your shoes and cook your food in case it is not being delivered from Hyatt on that particular day. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I just uh, hope None of us ever have to see the inside of prison. But in case you think you will, you must read that book. Thanks for your time, Sunetra. Good luck with your future. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. 